In Paul's letters to the Galatians, is Paul's letter to the Galatians in chapter 4, he says, in the fullness of time, God sent his son. And you read that and you think, well, I don't even know what that means. In the fullness of time, God sent his son in the fullness of time. Like there was, there's a timeline. There's a timeline. And I don't know about you, but in my life, I have yet to be able to figure out God's timeline. He always feels late to me. Anyone else? He always feels late, but then when he shows up, I realize it, that it's a, the exact right time, right? Well, I, you know, that might be a little bit of an understatement. Sometimes he shows up and I still feel like he's late. <laughs> but he shows up and it works out. And there have been situations in Beth and I's life in the past couple of years where uh, where we thought, God, your timeline is the most awful thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, but your faithfulness makes up for it, doesn't it? So when we think he's late, his faithfulness proves that he's not. And God has an unbelievable timeline in place for us. And we can fret and worry about when it's all going to be over and how's it going to work out and can I pay this bill and can I make this relationship work and can I do all these things. And, and God, what I've learned to rest in is that in the fullness of time, God acts, right? In the fullness of time. And oftentimes in my life, I don't know when that is, but there are some times where circumstances come together and you go, man, I see the hand of God in this moment. You ever had that happen in your life? Where you're like, man, if God, I, I just see how he stepped right in the middle of this thing and caused me to be where I am today and, and caused these circumstances to happen. And that's an exciting thing. And, and the birth of Christ, it happened that way. He, he tells, Paul tells the Galatians, in the fullness of time, God sent his son. When it was the perfect time, when it was, when it was the right temperature in the culture, when it, was the right, when it was the right place and the right people and the right atmosphere and the right politics and the right everything, in the fullness of time, God sent his son. And, and what you find is, and, and Jesus, when Jesus came to earth in that culture, there was, there was well-maintained roads. The gospel, the gospel going forward from the apostles was easier than it would have been a uh, hundred years before that or two hundred years before that. There was a, there was a road system. There was an, uh, an economic um, feasibility to be able to get around and move, move in the area. There was, there was relative peace under the Roman Empire. There was... There was an appetite for spirituality. The people at that time had been worshiping multiple gods, and to be honest with you, it wasn't working out for him. So they were, they were curious about this message of a Messiah coming. And, and, and the Jews, had, for a long time, had been expecting it. They just weren't expecting it to show up in a little poor baby. I want to talk to you this morning about this is our time Again, this is the third time that it's our time. So hopefully you're going to see that it's actually a season. <laughs> you're like, I thought last week was our time. I missed it. Uh, the first two weeks that we, we looked at this, we, we talked about that, you know, God has you where you are for a purpose. That, there's a, that promotions always come with a purpose. That your, your position always comes with a purpose. And, and that we have to go through the process sometimes and it doesn't make sense. But then when you get to where you are, we talked about Esther, where you get to where you are, oftentimes God's timing 
right? Reveals itself why you're at the place where you're at and the time that you're at for the reason you're there. And then last week, we became extremely aggressive. It was funny. Uh, I think they're here this morning. I had a conversation with a guy who is a soccer coach uh, this past week. Anybody remember my sermon from last week? Boy, I was really rough on soccer coaches, wasn't I? And he went, man, you were serving last week. I don't really agree with the soccer stuff, but it was great. <laughs> Fortunately, my kids never played on the team, so he never heard me on the sideline going, just play offense, right? He's a winning coach. What do I know? Uh, and today, I want to, uh, I told you last week we're going to unveil some things today that I believe this is the perfect timing for. And traditionally, a lot of times, we wait until January uh, to do things like this, to talk about the future. Oh, it's January. But, but I've been, I thought recently that, that December is a great time to do that, right? Because we're all excited about Christmas. We're all, we're all oh, this is a great time of year. And in January, we're hungover. Not literally hungover, but hungover from all the holiday. You're still tired from the turkey, and you're like, I have the whole year in front of me. How am I going to do this? But in December, everybody's up, excited. Man, Jesus came to earth to redeem me. This is amazing. And so I thought, why wouldn't we end the year like, yeah, in the January, we already know where we're going, right? I thought that might be a good thing to do. So I want to talk to you today about some of those things. First, first I want to, um, you ever heard of the comment like there's an elephant in the room? Yeah. So in church there can be elephants in the room, but nobody addresses them. And uh, I want to talk about a few of those today. Maybe give you a little reason why we've come to where we've come as a leadership team. And, and, and I'll say this, if you've been in a couple uh, we had a core member meeting where we talked about some of these things at the, at the thanks for giving dinner. We talked about some of these things. So, uh, some of it will not be new to some of you. Uh, but we feel like it's time. Feel like it's time. We feel like it's time, uh, to go ahead and, uh, and put this out for everyone. Uh, about five years ago, we started two services at this church and, um, and I will tell you that statistically, we should not have done it. I was listening to a, a lot of things and reading a lot of things about starting multiple services. And a guy in New York City who has done hundreds of these things uh, put out a very, a very um, thorough teaching on the issue of how a church goes from one service to two services. And I'll be honest with you, out here in this area... Uh, with the church we had, it was a huge step. It was a huge risk. And while I'm listening to this probably six years ago, uh, he said, unless your church has 300 adults in it, don't do this. And I thought, buddy, there, we, don't, we couldn't get 300 adults in here if we sat on top of each other. Somebody say amen. You're like, I'll go to another church if I have to sit on top of somebody. So he said, because your church is too small, if you, if you, if you split it at that moment and, and get half the people to come to the first service and half the second service in it, it's probably not going to work. People aren't going to want to do that. It's going to feel empty, the whole nine yards. So 
in uh, April of 2011. We had made plans to do this. Pastor Don took off in March and went on his hike. He didn't say, I'm going to hike the Appalachian Trail, do whatever you want. We had all these plans in place before he left. We actually said, we're going to need your seat, so you need to go hike. No, <laughs> that's not what we said. So we started doing two morning services, 9.30 and 11.15. And we... Um, at the beginning, it was like, ah, oh, this is crazy. And, and so what happened was the church started growing that year because now we could fit more people, right? We started growing and we started growing and we started growing. And then what happened after a couple of years, we noticed that the church wasn't growing anymore. And uh, we have, a, we have a, a little example of that up here uh, that they're going to put up. Can you make it come up a little brighter? <laughs> Somebody said, that's my EKG. Um, nope, not that one yet. All right. So, so this is from January of 2012. So this was a, uh, Pastor Don sitting back there. This was about a year after, uh, about eight months after we started our, our two services. So starting on that end, that's... Uh, January of 2012 to the end of this year. This might have included last Sunday. And so what you see here is that we've had snow days. <laughs> see those? You're like, man, he really upset somebody those weeks. Um, we have snow days. And then you see all the peaks. Those are Easter. Isn't that awesome? Because that's none of you guys because... Because you're here now. Wait a second, this is Christmas. Christmas and Easter. Okay, anyway. But what you'll see is, you'll see the thing go like this. You'll see it go, whoop, Easter. Whoop, Easter. Do you see that trend? Easter, Easter, Easter. So we started looking at this a couple years ago and thought, uh, but let me tell you our first response to when we started noticing this trend. Our first response to this as a leadership team was, we got to get so much better. The reason, the reason more people aren't coming is because, because what's happening isn't good enough. So the band has to get better. The preaching has to get better. The, the electronics and the technology has to get better. We got to pray more. Look, we don't, come on, Lord. And then what, but what we saw happen as a result of all that, of fasting and praying, is the same thing. Easter, Easter, Easter. Easter. And, and really, you could draw a, lot, a horizontal line right through the middle of that. And this is adults only, by the way. If you look at the numbers on this side, we keep track of the kids on another, uh, another one of these. But we're averaging around 200 adults a week, right? Well, some people would be satisfied with that. Wow, that's really good. That's great. No, awesome. Wonderful. Two services. What are you complaining about? But if you weren't here last Sunday, I believe God wants to reach more people than that. I mean, Jesus did come to the earth and die so that everyone could hear the gospel, right? And I don't know about you, but we're living in a society now that not everyone in America has heard the gospel. So if you're thinking in terms of, well, everybody's heard this before, that's not true anymore. 
That's not true anymore. It's not true that everybody has stepped foot in a church. It's not true that, every, well, everybody grew up in church. They just quit when they turned teenagers, right? That's not true anymore. And so when we look at this, I become frustrated because I know the gospel needs to go forward and we need to play a part in that. Amen? So we started going, oh, what, what can we change? What can we do different? We'll rip out the pews and we'll put chairs in. Yeah! Attendance went up by like a lot the next week. No. But we started making changes like that. But we were getting the same results. We started thinking, wow, okay, what's happening here? Then we started looking at different things. Started looking at things like the parking lot. Anybody ever showed up 10 minutes late to the first service? I think we got a video of what it looks like 10 minutes late uh, after the first service. Now, in case you think this was some special, you know, this was three weeks ago. All right? And if any of you are on this video and you didn't want to be recorded, we're sorry. We have drones flying over the church at random times. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? There is not one available parking spot in our church parking lot. Do you see that? They are awful. I'll take that back. We have three handicapped spots, but if you park there without a sticker, we're going to get it towed. All right? <laughs> we don't play around with handicapped spots here at Hedgesville Church. We have people parking on the concrete. Now, we do have some room in the gravel, but somebody on the end, we won't zoom in on that car, blocked it off so nobody can get to the gravel. There's, there, you don't know this, but there may not know this, but there's parking on the other side of the church so that most of the volunteers that are on stage that come early uh, for band practice stuff, all their cars are on the other side, and there's no parking over there either. So here's the things that we started to notice. We started to realize that we're telling everybody, and including us, I have friends that I want, like, I want you to come to church with me. Come on, come out. And then I realize that if they're 10 minutes late, there's no chance for them to get here. There's just, I've had people tell me, I came to church, there was no place to park, so I left. Now listen. In the fullness of time, God has sent his son, and I know there was no room in the inn, so he went and was born in a manger. But listen, we don't have a car manger around here. We don't have an extended parking lot across the street. This, it is what it is. It's full. And week after week, we experience this. It's full. It's full. It's full. And so what we're saying is, is an, it ends up being a conflicted message because we're saying, come, bring somebody. God is, God is doing things in our midst. God is changing people's lives. And then you invite your friend and they say, well, I tried to come last week. I happened to be 10 minutes late. There was no place to park. I've had people tell me that. We, we looked for places. We looked for a place to park, didn't find one, so we had to leave. So I started thinking, wow, okay, parking could be an issue here. Parking could be an issue. Because, listen, if you can, you know, go to your favorite concert, but if you can't find a parking space, you're going to leave, right? So, the other thing, hey, where are you going? Oh. Okay. Another elephant in the room. 
Another elephant in the room is this. Anybody want to raise their hand and said, we've experienced that exact same thing in this church. Raise your hand, raise your hand right over here. I feel your pain. We're going to pray for you after the service. Anyone else want to admit this? Feel your pain right here, right here. God sees you. God sees you. (laughs) We lovingly with the staff call this the walk of shame. Now, let me give you a little background of what happened. This, this part of the building behind us was built on in 1992. It's a great part of the church. It's useful and, and wonderful to teach our kids. But back then, what happened is there was Sunday school. So what happened was you came at 945 and went to Sunday school. Everybody did back there. And then after Sunday school was over, everybody came out here. There was no reason to go back and forth. So what happened was when we started two services, we realized that we need to rearrange things. And, and, and like I said last week, your kids are getting some of the best biblical teaching, I believe, available back here on Sunday mornings. It is, it is thought out, planned out. Uh, it is concise. It is amazing stuff. But what we didn't realize when we did this was that parents would have to get up during the church service And walk all the way to the front of the building. And I don't know if you remember on November 27th, which was the day I was coronated or whatever you want to call it. (laughs) There was a guy here named uh, Ken Bertram, who's a superintendent of the Potomac District of the Assemblies of God. And literally, during his sermon, we forgot to warn him about the walk of shame. During his sermon, somebody, I don't know who it was, somebody comes walking up, normal. It's what has to happen to get to your kid. Comes walking up here and he goes, what? I don't, I thought, I think he thought he was going to get mugged. (laughs) He was just like, I don't, I don't know what to do now. There's somebody walking towards me. By the way, safety team, that's another thing we got to think about. Moms coming up here to get their kids doesn't mean they're safe. They they can still be dangerous. (laughs) So we lovingly call this the walk of shame. So if you're like sitting in the middle here, it's really awkward to get up and walk back and have to get your kid. And here's something everybody understands. You have that kid. (laughs) Your number comes up on the screen. Oh, if they were better parents, they wouldn't have to get up in the middle of everybody and walk to the back. Right? Your kids are awful too. They're just not not old enough to be back there or whatever. So we real we started realizing, wow, could it be possible that people visiting the first thing they realize is that they have to get up with their kids, or if you show up five minutes late, you have to walk your kids right in front of everybody standing there worshiping. And you are pretty confident that everybody stopped worshiping and is staring at you. Now, the reason I know this is this, because I've never seen a person come back out of this door with this type of mentality. Man, God is good. I dropped my kids off. This is awesome. Man, I can't wait. Everybody walks back out of this door like this. (laughs) Scared to death. Like, oh, Lord. Uh. I don't think they see me. You know what? Everybody sees you. 
It's awful. I had a friend of ours that we were in Costa Rica with on our missions trip last year, and, and they came and visited. He's from Ashburn, Virginia, and he was on the, on the trip with us, and he's on staff at a church in Ashburn, Virginia. And, and so we, we were talking on the trip, and he said, man, I'm going to come up and visit you guys. I said, you should, man. Our church is better than yours. <laughs> Hands down. I, I don't even, I haven't even been to your church. I already know. So he comes, right? And I'm showing him all of our technical stuff in the back, which they do so... Like the stuff I want to brag about, like, man, check this out. Check that out. This is so awesome. And now I'll come back and show you the kid's wing. And so we walk up this side. And he, he's, I'm not exaggerating because I have a, a tendency to do that. Um, I'm not exaggerating. We stopped right here. And he goes, wait, wait, wait a second. You have to walk up in front of everybody to take your kids back here? I went, yeah, that's not cool, is it? And he goes, how do people do that? And I was like, I don't know. I don't have to. We waited to have two services after my kids were growing up. But we stopped right there and had a five-minute conversation. I said, man, this church has laid out the craziest thing I've ever seen. I've never been in another place that has to do it like this. It's just awkward. I know visitors are showing up and they're going, I ain't, I ain't walking up in front of everybody. And it just becomes difficult, right? And I bet you there's people in here who have invited people with kids and the first thing you talked about was, hey, listen, the church is great, but there's this walk thing we've got to do. <laughs> and it's almost, it's almost as intimidating as coming up to the front and professing your faith in Christ in front of everybody, right? Come on, are you a sinner in this place tonight? You know, like raise your hand up, wake that walk up front, come on, get right with God. We don't have that here. We have, come on, take your kid up front. (laughs) We're not trying to embarrass anybody. It's awkward. It's the elephant in the room. And so as as a team, we started sitting down looking at these things and saying, okay, how, how in the world can we change uh, how this happens? And, and I'll be honest with you, we could probably add a $100,000 hallway on the outside of the building. But then you'd have a $100,000 hallway. And so we, we've just tried over the years to figure out how to deal with it. And the way we figured out how to deal with it was to ignore it. And just hope people didn't mind walking the walk to take their kids back. So you say, well, every church has building concerns. Yeah, we do. They do. Every church has parking concerns at some time. Yeah, they might. Um, but we're coming out of, at it from a heart that wants to see the gospel go forward. So as a pastor, how do I, how do I ask you to invite your friends to something that I know may be extremely awkward for them to experience? Right? Well, I've got friends that have four-year-olds but man, I don't know if they're going to want to do that. And, and so if they do it once, I'm not sure they're going to want to come back and do it again. And I've actually had conversations with people that have been going here a long time that say, I will walk all the way down. It's like four miles. You got to go out. You got to go down the basement steps all the way around the back of the church, back up the steps and then into the hallway back here. They like wear jogging suits to church because they know they're going to have to run that far to get their kids. All the parents just went, I didn't even know that was an option. <laughs> These jogging suits next Sunday. So God started 
speaking to us about um, what would it look like if we expanded and what would it look like if the building looked different what would it look like how can we reach more people and how can we make space and how can we fix a parking issue and how can we fix all these things and how can we make it more conducive and and we started using terminology like this that we we wanted to reach what's called a critical mass now, before I go any further, I want you to know that my heart on this issue is not to build some multi-thousand seat auditorium and, so that we can have the best looking church anywhere in the tri-state area or whatever. I love church architecture. I think it's awesome. Um, but I'm more of a utilitarian type person. I want something that we can gather together and worship in and then go spread the gospel from there. Amen? Amen? That's my heart. I don't, I don't, I don't need a cathedral ceiling. I don't, I don't need, I don't need glass walls. I don't need something that, that, that is going to be in an architectural digest. I don't need any of that. I need a space where we can gather together, be encouraged and empowered together in a corporate setting, and then go out and do what God has called us to. Come on, I thought you'd be more excited about that. One of this Church's core values is resourcefulness. And we believe in, in making the most of every single dollar and stretching it as far as we can. If we, and if I had time, I could tell you about all kinds of projects in here that, that, that I've had people walk in my office and I'd say, how much do you think that costs? They said, it had to be fifteen twenty thousand dollars 20000 I said, we pulled it off for $4,000. We, we sold a piano one time and remodeled the church. No lie, we did. So, in the fullness of time, God sent his son. And this next part, this kind of next half that I'm about to tell you, uh, I believe, I know Pastor Don believes in this, I know the board believes in this, we've been talking about this for over a year. So in case, in case you think Pastor Don retired and then all of a sudden this stuff popped up, that's not the way it happened. Just like the hike. We have been putting our heads together, figuring out how to hammer this out for over a year and been sensing God's timing in this and God's hand in this. And so we're, we are extremely excited about it. And so I want to talk to you about what the future of Hedgesville Church looks like and what the term critical mass uh, for me means. And so uh, in order to do that, we're going to show you a couple slides. We're going to show you a couple slides and then there's a handout that we're going to hand out and uh, and we're going to um, and we're going to go f- from there. Here's what I believe the future of Hedgesville Church looks like. Okay, now listen to me before I show you any pictures. We've been using the term critical mass because I believe this. I believe a church reaches a size where the gospel can go forward exponentially. Did you hear what I just said? I believe there's a, there's a certain size a church reaches where the gospel begins to go forward exponentially, all right? Where, where, where the efforts just multiply and multiply and multiply. And I don't know about you, but I believe the gospel should go forward, but I also believe it should go forward rapidly. I believe that. I believe there are people that will die today that should hear the gospel. I believe there are families today that are suffering that should hear the gospel. 
I believe there are, there are people in situations where the gospel is the only answer to their problem. And that Hedgesville Church should be sending it as far and quickly as we possibly can. Amen? All right. So critical mass, what does that mean to me? I believe that when a church reaches a certain size, that we should be thinking about not how to make our church building bigger, but how to make more churches. Did you hear that? Because listen, if you live in Hagerstown, at some point in time, you're going to be like, man, I'm driving 35 minutes to church. I got to walk my kids up in the front every Sunday. (laughs) So why wouldn't we have a church in Hagerstown? Because I don't know that, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not worried about building huge, massive structures. I'm worried about the church moving forward, right? So the, so I, so one of the things you realize in, in church trends and the way things are going is that, is that those type of buildings are being built less and less and less because there's all kinds of problems. And there's things called legacy costs, which everybody loves a brand new big building that seats 3,000 people, but who's going to pay for the air conditions in 20 years? Right? Who's going to pay when everything breaks? And so our heart as a leadership team is to see the church go forward, but not incur those type of costs. We don't, we don't need to incur those type of costs because we believe the model is that when the church reaches critical mass, then we can, that we can have more churches in more, in different locations. And, and being, maybe you're driving from a farther distance. Maybe, maybe we'll have a church in your community and, and then the community down the street from that and then the community down from the street from that. Because what community has ever suffered from too many churches? You ever hear that in the news? Well, the planning commission got together and decided there was too many churches giving away food to the homeless. That's not news. So what should we be doing? We should be starting more churches, amen? It's the heart of God. He put the church in the world to spread his message. The problem is that we end up congregating in one place. And so I believe there's a point where we can reach critical mass and have that happen in a rapid succession over and over and over and over again. Is that exciting? Let me say this. I believe there are people sitting in here right now that will lead the churches we will plant. Some of you just went, dude, I just got here today. Don't, don't, like, I made the walk, but that's as far. Don't be labeling me no preacher. I'm not. I don't know about this. That's fine. In the fullness of time. In the fullness of time. So, so we've been working for the past year. We've been getting site uh, engineering done. Uh, I want to say this. Uh, I think 11 years ago, uh, we were given the opportunity to purchase 29 acres right beside the church. That, If you didn't know it, that white house sitting there all the way over to the school property. There's a little drive that is in between us. Uh, we were given the opportunity to buy that 29 years ago in the fullness of time. 11 years ago, 29 acres. We were landlocked uh, here. We, we have a softball field behind us, but it's about a 50-foot drop down to... <laughs> and I'm not into building churches on cliffs. 
And so the opportunity came up. I'll be honest with you. It was a, it was a step in faith at that time. But God worked it out. And we were able to purchase that property over there for such a time as this. And so people back then sacrificed and gave. And now today we have plans to build on that sacrifice. And so in the fullness of time, God sent his son Jesus to die, to be the sacrifice. And today we are building on that sacrifice. Amen. We're going to, we're going to see the gospel go forward because of what Christ has already done for us. So we've been working with a company in Hagerstown that has been uh, engineering the site and what it's going to look like, how the parking lots are, lot is going to be and how, um, where the water is going to go, all of that stuff. And we've got, we've got plans drawn up for that. And I think parking lots that have a, can have a lot of cars in them are really cool. Right? And so then we've been working with an architect as well to, to come up with a design for a church building uh, that will be attached to this current church building. And, and for the next few moments, I'd like to talk to you about what that's going to look like. And, and if, uh, if you want, guys, you can, you can throw that other slide up there now. This is... Um, this is an artist's rendition of what the final building will look like. Uh, if you see to your right, that's the original, that's, our, that's the building we're in right now. That's the little entrance we have. So what we'll be adding is a, about a 60 by 120 foot building. The middle there will be the new entrance where it'll be a foyer. And, um, and to give you a reference, it'll go straight off the side of this building out into the parking lot. Uh, the plan is is that this building attached will seat about 400 people. Three people are really excited about that. <laughs> seat about 400 people. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, wait, wait. Some of you might say, well, that's kind of little. I mean, 400 people. Why don't we build one for 800 people? And the reason is, is because, is because of what I told you before, the critical mass thing. And, and I want to get back into that for a second, but I want you to lose that number, all right? It'll seat about 400 people. So, if the guy's in the back, we're going to pass around these cards. Uh, I wanted to get into your hand what the floor plan would look like, all right? This is, um, it'd be hard for you to see it up there. So these are cards that we're going to pass out to you so you can see what the floor plan would look like. This wall over here would actually be gone. Uh, to my right, your left, that wall would be gone, and this would turn into more uh, four-year area and brand new handicap accessible bathrooms. I don't know if the women are excited about the handicap bathroom part or just the new bathroom part. Yeah, because many of the men have not went into the women's bathroom, which I approve of. Don't go in there, but it is. It's another explanation you have to make when you invite somebody. Look, there's the walk, and then there's the women's bathroom. <laughs> Just got to get over it. So uh, this part of the building right here will, um, will house brand new, beautiful bathrooms. Uh, this will flow over into a new foyer uh, that will go into a new auditorium that will seat about 400 people. And then this area here will be blown out bigger. And there'll be about a nine-foot entryway into the kids' wing back here. 
And you know what the most beautiful thing of all will be? You'll be able to get up in the middle of service, walk to the back of the church, and nobody will know whether you're going to the bathroom or getting your kid. <laughs> They'll have no idea. And we'll be able to have check-in, self-check-in things out here. And, and we believe, after working with architects and, and, and together, that this is a great design. Now, many of you are sitting there going, well, how in the world are we going to pay for this? Remember, in the fullness of time, at the perfect time, at the right time, God sent Jesus. And when we first started thinking about this, we were thinking, I don't even know how this is going to happen. I don't know. There's, there, there's just not enough to incur uh, what, what would take place to build a new building. And so, um, to, probably towards the beginning of the year, we got in really serious conversation. Pastor Don started talking to me about his, his desire to retire and, and, um, and, and be able to live the retirement life and, and take a bike ride across the, the whole country. Matter of fact, it's longer than across the country. It's across the country and then down the West Coast. Um, and he said, if we do that, this is what, this is what it'll free up. And this is the opportunity that would be provided. So, in the fullness of time, God sent Jesus His Son. We talked about perfect timing, didn't we? Talked about perfect timing at the beginning of the service and, and how sometimes, sometimes you're wondering how God's working things out and then boom, you just wake up and you go, man, this is the perfect timing. This is amazing. And so, He solidified uh, His desire and how it was going to work out and all that stuff. And, and let me say this. The reason, the reason that we can have this conversation today on December 18th is because you're not looking for another pastor. Did you hear that? The reason we're able to have this conversation today in this service this morning is because you're not out doing, and I'm going to tell you something, it is not comfortable. You're not out with a committee trying to find another pastor to come in and pastor this church. Pastor Don raised the pastor up. And so in the fullness of the, are you seeing the theme here? In the fullness of time, when Chris was mature enough (laughs) to the fullness of time. Somebody said, man, it took till he was 40 in the fullness of time. But the reason we're able to do this is because of God's perfect timing, things work out. Amen? And so, so I'll be honest with you, there were years where I thought, man, I want to do this so bad. I want to do it so bad. I want to do it so bad. But my timing would have never worked out like his. So in the fullness of time, at the perfect time. So let me explain to you financially what this looks like. And, and, I, and I'm not going to give you exact numbers, but watch how this works. And I'm almost more excited about this than anything else. Is that in our conversations, Pastor Don and I would have a conversation. He said, Chris, some churches build buildings hoping people show up to pay for them. Did you hear that? Businesses do that sometimes, don't they? They do capital expansions and they borrow the money hoping new customers come in. Here's the unbelievably perfect timing that God has done in this church, I want you to hear this. Pastor Don um, retired at the end of November. And so that, that freed up his salary. 
And so we started crunching numbers and figuring things out and diligently trying to figure out the budget and what it would look like for a building like this. And we had estimates coming in. We still have estimates coming in. We're still trying to, still trying to make sure it's all right, 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 right. And what we figured out was is that we could add on to the church and see 400 people, eliminate the walk of shame, eliminate the parking lot issue, eliminate the bathrooms issue, eliminate all kinds of things. This will be the first time in the history of Hedgesville Church on this property that the sanctuary and the bathrooms will be handicap accessible. That is, uh, let me, that is unbelievably important. Because, I mean, what we're doing right now is we're putting ramps down the stairs. That's crazy. The first time ever it will be this way. And the beauty is this. There will be no more expense going out after the building is built than what is going out currently right now. Come on, did you hear that? (laughs) You guys are a tough crowd. That is unbelievable. Nobody does that. I'm just letting you know that no church does that. That doesn't happen. So we're positioned at the perfect time in the perfect scenario to be able to spread the gospel more. We're positioned that we have X amount of expenses going out right now. The perfect timing. Now we can add a 400 seat auditorium. And by the way, if we do two services in that, conservatively speaking, we could be a church of five, 600 adults. Did you hear that? The gospel goes, is going forward. It's going forward. More people are being ministered to. It's going forward. And we can do that. Now listen to this. We can do that with no more monthly expenses going out than what we have right now. That is unbelievable. Now let me ask you this. If somebody told you, Listen, I know you've got the 90-channel cable package. But for the same money, I will give you 300 channels, the NFL package, all the movie channels and everything. What would you say? We don't watch TV that much. (laughs) You would say, if it's for the same money, give it to me, right? If it's for the same money, I'm taking it. I called up about our internet service at our house the other day. It jumped $33. We were undercover, man. We had been paying like the minimum for 10 years. I wasn't going to call them and tell them. But they found out somehow. And we got a letter in the mail saying, after an audit, we found out you guys weren't paying enough for your internet service. I'm like, who does an audit on that? So I call them up and I'm like, hey, my bill jumped 35 bucks. And I said, we don't use the internet that much. Um, and so what happened was, the lady on the other line, I said, I don't know if there's any specials I can get into. It's Christmas time. Come on, you got to be, got to be feeling generous. And she said, for three more dollars a month, I'll give you higher speeds. What do you think I said? What do I have to do? She said, nothing. I said, done. I'm doing it. <laughs> and we reset my router. And I was like, Beth, look at this. (laughs) Fullness of time, God sent his son. 
And I believe there are moments in a church that define the future of that church. There are moments like this in a church that will define the future of the effectiveness of that church. And this is our time. This is the time where as collectively we need to, we need to put ourselves together and go, you know what? This is our time and the gospel will go forward because we were here. Because we believed it was important. Because we believe people's lives will be changed. Because we believe destinies will be changed forever. Because of what we did right here in this time. Amen? There's going to be a part for you to play. There's going to be a part for me to be. We're going to have to raise some capital. Beth and I had a conversation with our kids just the other day in our living room. And we said, look, we believe this is, we believe this is God's timing in the church and we believe it's important and we're going to make a sacrifice and I know it's Christmas time and you're going to get some Christmas money that we had this conversation with them you're going to get some Christmas money I know you want to buy a lot of stupid stuff (laughs) and that's fine but don't forget that your sacrifice is needed don't forget that and I said that I told them the sacrifice that you make somebody else will benefit from it later And you need to be aware of that. So during this Christmas season, we told them, listen, I want you to be thinking about this. When you get a fistful of money for Christmas, I want you to be thinking about it. When you get a paycheck next week, I want you to be thinking about it. We had that conversation with them. But your mother and I are going to sacrifice and, and figure out how to make it happen. And I want you to be in the same place because you know what I believe? I believe, I believe that God blesses us when we do this. That he'll supply all that we need every time, all the time, for the gospel to go forward. So I believe this is our time. Amen? I believe this is our opportunity to see the gospel go forward in in an exponential way like we've never seen it before. And I don't know about you, but I'm not going to take my foot off the gas. I believe, just like the Apostle Paul, man, I just keep reaching. I just keep going, and God keeps moving, and God keeps doing what he does. And I believe that's where we are today in this church. Amen? Come on, if you agree with that, stand up. That's a little trick because, you know, it's the end of the service and you want to leave, so. We're going to pray. I want you to take those cards home. Just stick them on your... Stick them on your refrigerator. What you put in your car. If you got a picture of your wife and your odometer, take it off and stick that in there. <laughs> you pray about two things. I want you to pray about how you can be a part of that. And then I want you to pray for this specifically. I want you to pray, Lord, there'll be people that I don't know yet sitting in those seats. There'll be people that I don't know yet with issues that I don't even know about. They will show up and need my help. They'll need my prayers. They'll need my support. They'll need my friendship. They'll need my love. And before one pound of dirt is removed from that property, I would love us as a church to start committing our lives to spreading that gospel, to praying for the people that will hear the gospel for the first time. Praying for the people that will enter into a loving environment for the first time ever. Praying for people who who have a negative connotation of the church when they walk in the back door, it'll be different. Praying for those people that will later be our friends.
praying for those people that may later pray for us. Amen? I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to it, and I believe this is our time. Father, we thank you this morning. God, we have this conversation all the time. I say stuff like, man, I can't make this up. I couldn't make it up if I tried. But one thing you've been consistent at in my life is you've been consistent at writing my story in the way that the way that nobody else could. Show up at the right time. Show up with more than enough every time. And you intervene in my life in a way that I could never expect. And Lord, I believe you're doing it right now. And I believe there's multiple people here who are realizing that you're showing up at the perfect time, the perfect way, with all that we need, all that we could ask. This is our time you've given us, Lord. And that we pray that we be found worthy as workers for your gospel. And we pray, Lord, because of the decisions that we make with these people at this time, that your gospel would go forward rapidly from this place. Lord, that we would, we would have a heart that follows hard after you. Lord, we would take hold of that for which you took hold of us. And we would see your will completed in our lives, in our time. And we thank you for the opportunity to serve. We thank you for the opportunity to give. And it's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, could you give him honor and glory this morning?